0: Well, hello, everyone. It's uh, good to see you all again. Um, I think last time I spoke, I asked for prayers as my wife and I were um, expecting our first child. And, uh, you know, thank you for those prayers. It was a, a crazy experience. Nothing that, you know, I would uh, imagined. Um, you know, different from what you see on TV where, you know, they do it in like five minutes, you know, just super quick or yeah, just uh, super fast. Uh, it wasn't like that, but uh, our son came out nice and healthy. Um, and um, you know, he's currently eating right now. Otherwise, I would I would have brought him up to introduce you guys. Uh, it would have been kind of cool just to be able to see him. Um, but I do have a, a picture right here of him. He's pretty happy here on his little uh, little boppy thing. Uh, he he's growing bigger, so it's nice. He's growing um bigger i can tell he's eating a lot more because he's producing more poop and so yeah and it's diapers are getting bigger and it's getting more challenging so um but yeah it started off with little sleep and then now we're getting a little bit more slowly uh <laughs> thanks Marie. <Jean-Louis. laughs> oh wait i don't want to share screen okay um but yeah just uh we know that um you know there's there's a lot of work that goes into it and uh we felt just a, a lot of love uh from you guys um you know we were sent some gifts before he was born and uh it was even afterwards you guys um you know would call us and ask, if we, ask us if we need anything and drop off food for us um Just uh, super thankful for that. Uh, Just really encouraging to see the church come alongside us, especially uh, during these times when we don't have much social interaction in person. Um, But uh, anyways, tonight uh, we will be speaking on the topic of being honest or uh, honesty, which I thought was pretty funny considering you guys just played among us. which is totally opposite for some of the characters you have to play uh because i think if you you know honesty was involved with it it would be that game would end super quick you know like hey i'm i'm the guy you know that just just killed everyone um but you know um before i begin i do want to start uh with the begin with the word of prayer so you would just bow me Father, we just uh, want to thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I uh, you know that we can't uh, get to pr- together in person, um, and we long for it, Lord. We long to be able to, as a fellowship, be together physically, Lord, uh, to hear your word preached. Um, but even as we have uh, this over uh, Zoom and a video call, Lord, I pray that you would just be with us uh, in our midst, wherever we are. Uh, that as we look into your word, we would be convicted uh, to live out these truths, Lord, um, because we are created uh, to be like you, Lord, and we have a mission uh, as believers to carry out uh, and preach the gospel, Lord. Um, There are many who need to hear your word and to be saved, Lord, and to declare that you are Lord, and we pray that uh, tonight, Lord, we would just be uh, replenished in just our fervor for you, and uh, Lord, that you know as we hear the word, Lord, it would motivate us to um, you know, be bold and speak the truth, Lord. And uh, Lord, no matter how difficult it is, uh, so Lord, we thank you. And pray that you would just be with me as I uh, as we go through the word, as I teach, Lord, and just be with our hearts and our minds, Lord. Let it be attentive. And, Receptive to just, uh, just um, the goodness of your word, Lord. We thank you and pray all this evening. Amen. Uh, anyway, so tonight we'll be speaking on the topic of being honest uh, or, you know, honesty, which um, is, yeah, again, pretty funny. <laughs> that was very funny. Um, but I, as I was thinking about this topic of honest or honesty or being honest, I started to notice the word around my house more. You know how, like, if you're looking at a certain item, you start noticing it more when people have it, you know, kind of like this item that you've been eyeing, and then all of a sudden it just pops out like, oh, someone has it. Um, you know, perhaps, like, it's a car, you know, you've been looking at. You're like, ah, oh, that, that new car came out. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's rare, but then as soon as you start wanting it more, you start noticing it you know, on the freeways, on the street, um, you know, uh, yeah, this is the case for the topic of honest or honesty, you know, I thought I was going crazy at first, um, because when I would change my son's diaper, the word honest, like popped up, it was like, boom, honest, and then when I went to shower, the word honest came up, boom, again, and then when I went to clean the floors, boom, honest came up. You know, was I really being delusional? You know, was I being haunted by, you know, my topic? Like, right? honest, you need to speak on honesty. But I wasn't. I wasn't crazy. And to prove that, ugh, I have here honest wipes. You know, honest wipes for the baby, right? Honest wipes. And I thought, ah, oh, that's why when I change his diaper, you know, I have the word honest comes up. Oh, not only do we use Honest wipes, we use Honest diapers. Honest diapers. Wow, okay. And if that wasn't enough, I started cleaning things with Honest, right? I started using shampoo and body wash. Honest. Oh my goodness. You know, we have everything that was Honest around the house. I was cleaning floors. We have some sprays around the house, I. I mean, I think, I don't think my wife wanted me to bring all her Honest products up (laughs) into our room, but it's because my wife had infiltrated my mind with the word Honest, even before I began, you know, to prepare this message, right? We have Honest products everywhere. But why, you know, why? I, so I did a little digging, right? The Honest Company was founded by an actress named Jessica Alba, who created the Honest Company because, quote, you shouldn't have to choose between what works and what's good for you. And she she continues to describe who they are. She says, well, we're a wellness brand empowering people to live happy, healthy lives. And when I couldn't find one brand to trust for my, all my everyday needs, I had to create it. If you want it, or if you want trusted, effective products that works for your family, your home, and yourself, you're honest too, end quote. And then she talks about what the company believes. She says, quote, we know that everything you put on in and around your body matters a lot. That's why we hold ourselves to an honest standard of safety and transparency, end quote, right? Did you you guys catch some of those words? She mentions trust a couple of times and then the word transparency. And after reading a lot, more about their goals and values. I I became a firm believer in their company, right? My my wife was already sold by it. She, I mean, she buys it and she's like, okay, I'll just use it. But now I'm sold. I was like, hey, take my money. Hey, take my wallet. You know, like take it all, like do anything. Hey wife, we need to buy like 10 more of these, right? But then I'm also trusting that what they're saying about their company is true, right? And well, honest, right? And honestly, I think that any company that tries to uphold these standards will gain a lot of following and and pique a lot of interest, right? Just because of this bold statement. And don't worry, I'm not I'm not a paid sponsor for Honest, but I was pretty amazed that a company would be bold enough to strive for these standards, right? Let alone name their company this virtue. No company would want to name themselves the dishonest company. Right. Hey, we're the dishonest company or the deceitful company, right? Automatically you'll know what kind of standards they hold on to, right? Even if they don't list it. So I mean, can you imagine if you went to a mechanic shop called the dishonest auto shop, right? They would tell you that, hey, we changed your oil, right? Only later to find out that ah, they used vegetable oil. Oh, gotcha. Right. Or how about if you saw Dr. Dishonest Dentist, right? If you went in for a teeth cleaning and he just used toothpaste and a toothbrush, and then he charged you $200 for it, and then said, you know, you said to cleaning, I cleaned your teeth, right? I mean, so while no company wants to name themselves something negative, right? A lot of companies are also scared to name themselves something with such high standards, right? That's, to me, that's a lot of pressure for the honest company, in in my opinion, and and pretty bold. So, as we've been studying book of Proverbs, Right, we've been seeing a goldmine of biblical theology, reflecting themes of scripture brought to the level of practical righteousness right? by addressing man's ethical choices, calling into question how he thinks, how he lives, how he manages his daily life in light of divine truth. More specifically, Proverbs called man to live as the creator intended, intended him to live when he made man, in Psalm 90, right? And this was something that you know, if you notice, as we we're going through Proverbs, this was something that Solomon had asked for—wisdom and understanding—in 1 Kings 3. But unfortunately, he failed to live out the truth and that he knew, and even taught his son Rehoboam, who subsequently rejected his father's teaching. And I, and as I think about how Solomon imparted wisdom to his son, I was thinking, what, what would I teach my son about honesty from scripture, right? And then as I was looking through Proverbs, you know, there was, there was so much, right? But I would emphasize two characteristics of an honest and mature believer. Those are two that I would emphasize, two characteristics of an honest and mature believer. And there is a lot more, but uh, I'll only have enough time to cover two main ones. So let's get to the first. The first characteristic is this. An honest and mature believer speaks the truth. An honest and mature believer speaks the truth. So if you look at Proverbs, right? if you're in Proverbs and you flip to chapter 12, right, you go over to chapter 12 and you look at verse 17. Right. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. And if you look at verse 19, verse 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Oh, and I'm reading out of the ESC. Um, and if you look over to chapter 14, 14.5, 14, a faithful witness does not lie but a false witness breathes out lies. And then that same chapter, verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives. but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. See, these verses, if you kind of caught it a little bit, these verses speak of a court setting, right? You hear the word witness a lot, um, in which, you know, falsehood can be present. And it actually is really important um, because it really relies on the word of mouth for validation, right? This is the only proof they have. If you can have a witness can recount the exact details of what happened, right? Whose fault it was, how the crime took place, right? Even if there was even a crime, right? They, they have to have a witness to be able to retell who is at fault, right? Or if there was any fault. Right. They didn't have cell phones to record the crime taking place. There weren't any security cameras that they could review footage of. No phone. Right. But they had tablets. No, I'm just kidding. No, they don't have tablets. I'm not talking about those tablets. But you'll you'll need an honest witness. Right. One that would speak truth. Right. And of course, it's not in your favor if you did something wrong. But those that are paid well, Can totally lie, right? There's no recorded proof anywhere, right? And people for money, they would just be, they would just lie, right? And that witness becomes, would not help with justice being served. And that's what Proverbs 12, 17 is saying, right? It's saying that in the court, the truthful witness promotes justice. And then in Proverbs 14, 25, it's saying that there that truth produces justice on which the lives of people may depend, right? People will depend on this, right? A truthful witness saves lives. That's what it's saying. For justice to be served, the truth must be spoken, right? God is just. The witness must be honest without any deceit. No lies can come out of his mouth. For the honest and mature believer, truth should come out of our mouths because it is, it is of God. Right? That's the important thing. For the honest and mature believer, truth should come out of our mouths because it is of God. Right? The truth is the most important thing that exists. It's, it's the most important reality in the universe. By the truth, we are saved from hell. By the truth, we are sanctified for the purposes of God. By the truth, we are given strength. We are edified. We are comforted. We are encouraged. And it all comes out of divine truth, right? Living truth, the person of Christ who dwells within us, and written truth, the word of God, right? And they are perfectly in harmony. Unfortunately, however, the the world has grown to deny the truth because it it doesn't matter to them anymore, right? Most people find that some lies are necessary for their personal fulfillment, and everybody seems to be able to find a measure of comfort with certain lies, right? We've gotten to the point where you can't believe anybody who says anything, right? Whether you're talking to a kindergartner or a congressman, you can't believe anything, anything anyone says because truth, you know, in this world, Seems like it's diminishing. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, I got I got tricked by a kindergartner before into giving them more ice cream. You know, they said yes. My parents said I could have more ice cream, and so I gave them more ice cream, not knowing that a cute little kid can trick me. And and afterwards, the parents was like, "How did this person get more ice cream?" And I was like, "Well, you told me she said that you you could get more ice cream." Oh, they could get more ice cream. And uh, Karen's like, oh, dude, they totally like you. And I got, I got so duped. Uh, you know, when when a friend adds me on Facebook, right, I can't even tell if they're real anymore. I mean, you know, they even came up with a term when you meet someone online and they're not really that person who you think they are, right? And it's called being catfished, right? And it's unfortunate because I really liked eating catfish growing up as a kid uh, yes, I know the bottom feeders, but they're needy and they don't have those small little bones. But now that I look at a catfish, I think that the catfish is catfishing me sometimes. I'm like, maybe it's a trout, you know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't know my fish. But the interesting thing is the universe, right? The universe operates on fixed truth. Okay, that's that's key. the, the universe operates on fixed truth. Fixed truth rules The physical universe, right? The laws of nature, the laws of science, or better yet, the physical laws of God, they're absolute, right? You can test them, right? You can jump off a building, gravity will work, right? It doesn't matter if you don't believe in it, it'll work anyways, right? And we have a world of people who depend on the truth written in the fabric of the created world. We have engineers, right? The truth matters to them. It matters to pilots. It matters to people sitting in the back of the airplane. It matters to astronauts who have to go into space and come back based on fixed, absolute laws, right? It matters to chemists, it matters to your pharmacist, to your doctor, right? We all understand that. That is basic intelligence intelligence, right? That is rational thinking. And this is what has been built into every human mind according to Romans 2. Right? We have the law of God written in our heart. And part of that law is the rational understanding of cause and effect, right? Based upon fixed laws. And when it comes to the spiritual realm, there seems to be an exception, right? We kind of say, "Mm, I can do anything I want and I can live any way I want because the consequences are not instantaneous and they're not immediate, right? Even though the wages of sin is death, and, you know, by us living, it's, 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 even for those who don't believe, it's, it's common grace, right? And they think that, you know, they can get away with it. You know, they could get away with sin and evil behavior and, and immorality. And they can live with lies and deception. And it's not like gravity where you can say, I don't believe it, and then face the consequences later, right? I'm pretty sure that if you were to jump out of plane, that truth is there right? You believe it and you're definitely going to put on a parachute, right? And the reality is that the truth is being distorted, right? You'll often hear someone say, there is no God, right? Or Jesus wasn't the son of God, or I'm not a bad person, right? Or I'll be in heaven someday because I'm a good person. Or even more controversial are examples that are being taught in school where, you know, they they teach kids the the origin of man right, or even the addition of gender choices, children who are being told at the ages of four and five that they may not be a girl when they are a girl, that they may not be a boy when they are a boy that nature or God got it wrong, and this is what you should have did, and also that there are you know there are two more than two natural genders right it's not just male and female anymore but we know from scripture we know from scripture from the word of god that these are are false right the word of god tells otherwise right in genesis 1 1 right in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right. And then we have first John five, um uh it's it's pretty long so I'm not gonna read it, but um it, it speaks about, you know, the Son of God, you know, just not by you know, he, he came not by um, uh, sorry, that, you know, there, sorry, this is, the, I'm going to, I'll read it. First John 5, 6, 13. Uh, it says, this is he who came by water and blood, right? Jesus Christ. Not, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave his eternal life. And this life is in his son and that's key right and this life is in his son right this answers the question of who is the son of god is jesus the son of god right whoever has the son of life or whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of god does not have life and this this whole verse is so clear about who jesus christ is right in terms of is he really the son of god and then you talk about well what about the origin of man and what about their gender and then you have genesis 5 where it talks about um you know uh, when god created man he made him in the likeness of god male and female he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created right um for believers right for believers by speaking the truth right if we if we even speak the truth. This is what we learn from scripture. By speaking the truth, we will face backlash. And Plato once attributed to have said this, he said, no one is more hated than one who speaks the truth. And Jesus said he came to testify to the truth, right? And that's still our mandate, right? It doesn't matter what the culture is demanding from us. And uh, there was this well-known and well-respected pastor who was who was interviewed on TV one day, and the interviewer asked him, "Does it bother you that people are offended by what you say?" And his response was, "No, I live to offend people, and that's the reason that's the reason I'm there is to offend people who are living in lies and deception, headed to hell, and don't know the truth." See, the the gospel will always be an offense, uh, Paul mentioned it in 1 Corinthians 1. He said, it is foolishness to the Gentiles and it is a stumbling block to the Jews. Right? The gospel always offends the contented sinner living in deception. Now, I'm not saying that we should go around and start offending people in the way that you think, like making fun of their appearances or their intellect, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that people will naturally be offended by the gospel as they don't know God because they have abandoned the truth. So when you start bringing back the truth to them, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. no! We've created our own truth and we're totally fine with that. right? But our goal as believers is to speak the truth. Right? Not to condemn, but to save. That is what John writes. In John three seventeen, right? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him, right? And so we we ought to speak the truth, preach the gospel. In, in a very practical way, this can be challenging to us, right? I know that some of us who are teachers, who uh, are forced, you know, to teach. Um, that there isn't just male and female and that man did not come from God uh, or were created, was created from God, uh, but over time, some you know, just evolved. Uh, some of us will be in workplaces where your coworker, your boss is a homosexual. Uh, there will be times when someone will ask you, hey, I heard you're a Christian. Do you think that I can go to heaven if I am a homosexual or transgender? right? If I practice these things, will I go to heaven? And your answer would be based on truth from God, and it will be offensive, and you might hurt some relationships, and it won't be easy. But remember, your goal is not to have them like you, but to have them love God. Having them like you doesn't get them to heaven, right? Jesus Christ gets them to heaven. And if they don't love him and they don't love God when they're on a path of destruction for all eternity, then it doesn't matter if they, if they, if they like you very, very much, right? You can, you can twist the truth around to make them love you and, and say, you know, you can cater to what they want to hear, but that doesn't get them to eternity with Christ. And I know that this is on a much weightier scale of speaking the truth, right? I'm sure you're hoping to tell me, for, uh, hoping for me to tell you why, you know, it's important to tell the truth in general. Like, oh, you know, don't lie about your GPA to your friends. You know, don't lie to your parents about hanging out with friends at the library when you're actually at a concert. Or don't lie about how you've been spending all day looking for a job when you're playing video games, right? Or hang out with friends. I mean, there's just so many that we can list um, in every detail. There's so many uh, different scenarios we can talk about in terms of don't you know speaking the truth in our everyday lives. But the bottom line is this: that an honest, an honest and mature believer speaks the truth, right? They are without any deceit. So if we were to look back at Proverbs fourteen twenty-five, it says, "A truthful witness." But one who breathes out lies is deceitful. And then same here with Proverbs 12, 17, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit, right? A false witness utters deceit. When we lie, we utter deceit, right? How are we going to convey the gospel message or truth that Jesus Christ, the son of God, came to die for our sins for those who believe in him and that those who do not know him would need to repent right how do we preach that truth when in our lives no matter how big or small if we lie we are practicing what satan does right satan lies he deceives. and in john 8 right in john 8 jesus called out some of the jews who are denying the truth right and he says in john eight forty four, he says you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I always get a a, a chuckle um, every time uh, I go out to the Chang's or Brian Chang's house. Um and I don't know if this is still true, but his his Wi-Fi name, um his Wi Fi name is you sit on a throne of lies. Exclamation mark. Well, no exclamation mark, but you sit on a throne of lies. And this is this of course is a quote from a movie called Elf, right? This was um when Buddy the Elf saw that Santa was was there, uh sitting on the chair, um, and Buddy the Elf thought that he was Santa, but he was he wasn't really the real Santa, you know, just someone who is dressed out as Santa. And he said, you know, he just said, you know, are you really Santa? You know, you're not Santa. I know you're not Santa. Um, So I thought that was pretty funny. And, and, oh, and then he tells Santa, he said, you sit on a throne of (laughs) lies. You know, so um, yeah, I thought that was always pretty funny. I think, I think Brian Chang has a little bit more meaning to that than just, Oh, I, I just like the quote, but, it is what we hear, what we ought to say, you know. Um, uh, it, it is what we ought to say, you know, to <laughs> to Satan, you know, as he speaks these lies, you know. He, we know, we know that, you know, he is lie upon lie and, and full of deceit, <clears throat> right? In any case an honest and mature believer speaks the truth, right? Out of, out of your lips shall be truth and no deceit, right? Out of your lips shall be truth and no deceit. This leads to our second and final characteristic of an honest and mature believer for tonight. And that is an honest and mature believer upholds their integrity Right. An honest and mature believer upholds their integrity. <laughs> you guys, the comments. I have to I have to like minimize you guys. Gosh. Um, as you scan around proverbs, right, not only does it speak about truth and deceit, but also about integrity. Right? It speaks about integrity. So again, if you're in Proverbs, look at, look at chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. It says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. And then Proverbs eleven three, 3. The integrity of the upright guides them but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs 28, 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his way. So what is integrity? When I looked at the dictionary definition, it is the quality of being undivided, right? It is being true to one standard. It's a quality of being honest. For the Christian, the standard is biblical. For people who are not Christians, they can sort of pick and choose whatever standard they want, whatever moving standard they want, whatever popular standard they want. But for believers, integrity is tied totally to scripture. And if we could think about someone in the Bible, that would be Paul. That would be the Apostle Paul. He lived what he believed, and what he believed was what was revealed by God. He preached what he believed, and what he believed was the word of God. His life matched his preaching. His life matched his teaching, and his life matched his writing. This is the virtue that holds everything in place, and without it, it begins to, it begins to collapse right? the enemies of the apostle paul the false teachers they attacked him on all levels right they weren't necessarily trying to pick apart his theology right they couldn't do that initially right they would first have to undermine his character first so they went after that right? they went after his spiritual integrity And the greatest impact that critics have on anybody who's in the ministry is an assault on their integrity, which then speaks to the critical reality that anybody serving the Lord must maintain personal integrity. And if you pay close attention to any debate, right, any debate, more recently, just like the presidential debate, the first thing you want to do is attack the character and their integrity, right? right? It destroys their credentials. Like one candidate can say, hey, I helped the economy grow and very healthy. The unemployment rate is is at an all-time low. And while that can be true and favorable to their debate, the other candidate will see that as a threat, right? And they're like, oh, no, you know, like, that's true. I don't have anything against that, right? And I would need something else. I would need something else to tear them down. So why they do a bunch of research and to do, you know, their personal lives, what they believe, things that have happened to them. Um, that would make voters, you know, question who they are. So, so what they do is they 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 point out things like, oh, well, you know, you you also, you know, uh, speaking of taxes, you also had an affair, right? Can we really trust you? You know, it doesn't matter if you if you help the economy, you you had an affair, right? You're not trustworthy. What you say. And the most threatening criticism that came at Paul was against his his integrity, that he wasn't who he claimed to be, that he was a fraud and a liar and a deceiver and a hypocrite. And that is what he defends in his letter to the Corinthians, right? In fact, the whole letter of Second Corinthians is a defense of his integrity, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, right? He wanted everyone to know that He shepherded them through, uh, according to the integrity of his heart, right? And for anybody who serves the Lord, a reputation for honesty, right? And sincerity, credibility, incorruptibility is absolutely essential, right? And Paul knew that. Paul knows that, right? He knew that there. If these false teachers can cause people to question his integrity, then everything can collapse, everything. So his letter in Second Corinthians is, is written to defend that integrity. Right? And if you could uh, quickly turn over to Second Corinthians and, and just look at chapter five, uh, if not, I, c- I could read the verse too. But Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 11 says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience, right? That was his calling. And that was his life. His whole life was persuading others or persuading men. And he wanted people to believe what he preached, right? He lived for that. That was him. That was all there was to him, right? We persuade others. And that persuasion demands this solid, grounded character, right? A, a firm foundation of your character to make a message believable. At the same time, he says in verse 11, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. What people don't know about me, God knows, he says, and, but he's looking for a favorable response from people. Now you might ask, you know, why was Paul so driven toward integrity? Why is it so important to him? It's a hard thing after all, and it's just a a hard thing in the world of unconverted people to maintain integrity. It's really hard. But Paul here was driven towards it because there were truths that he needed to preach. Paul needed to preach these truths to others, but when he's under attack, right, no one wants to listen to him, but by maintaining his integrity, at least the church can vouch for him, right? If no one's listening to Paul, at least the church that he's, you know, he's shepherding would would be able to vouch for him, right? They know his integrity. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 12, in the verse right after that, it says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart, right? And he says that so that you may be able to answer. Paul is asking his friends to protect themselves and the church anybody who's in the ministry is frightened of attacks and assault and accusations to undermine their ministry because then that affects those whom they minister, right? Paul had a concern for the church and he knew the church was under attack all the time from everywhere as Satan and demons, false teachers, you know, they amassed their weapons against him and Paul was the main target, right? And he's saying, you've got to defend me. And you, you have enough information to do that, or you're gonna find yourself overrun with error. And the church, they had enough information and knew much about Paul, that there was no error on what Paul taught and how he lived, right? He spoke the truth and was without deceit. And since uh, I, see, I see Pastor Ray and Pastor Roger here, this is as if they were under attack in regards to their teaching you know, their character and what they believe. And because we're all under their teaching and under their shepherding, right? If they don't uphold their integrity, what does that say about all the teaching they've been doing, you know, on the pulpit, right? Or even here on on Zoom, you know, how do we as a church defend them, right? How can we look into their lives and say, oh, no, 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 you know, that's definitely not part of the character, right? We know them. And even for us, if we represent Christ, right? As we preach and share the gospel to our friends, is our integrity in question, right? And I'm assuming that a lot of us are working from home due to, you know, the coronavirus. And, you know, it was always a dream of mine to work at home all the time from home, but, you know, that's not in this way. Definitely not in this way. Uh, And I thought, oh man, it would be great if one day I could do this and I wouldn't have to commute. And then, Maybe I could watch Netflix on the side and eat lunch whenever I wanted to. Uh, But really, you know, as believers, how do we view work? Right. Tim spoke on this. But how do we view work as God created it to be? Right. Will we be honest in our work and honest with our employer? Right. To, To be able to commit to a level of excellence in our work to represent Christ. Or do we lie to our boss and deceive them into thinking that, oh, we're the hardest worker and we're super busy all the time. No time for meetings, you know, but definitely time for 10 more episodes, right? Or video games or hang out with friends. This is the, the type of integrity in a, in a practical way of, of how we, you know, ought to carry out our, our testimony, right? And just to read uh, Proverbs 28, 6 again, um, it says, "Better is a poor man, right? And get this: better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. And I love that, right? No amount of money is worth jeopardizing you know, their integrity over, right? And I, I know." There's a brother uh, you know, even on this on this call, uh, I see his name. Um, but I remember him sharing this uh, just about how you know his work situation, uh, how he had to quit his supervisor uh, position or manager position because of things that he was asked to do, uh, false reports that he was supposed to give, you know in order to make their section look good, right. But he knew that it jeopardized his integrity, right? So he he quit that position, took lesser pay to be in a different position where he didn't have to, you know, make, you know, and, and deceive, you know, make those decisions and then deceive others, right? And I saw that and I thought that was that was so encouraging, right? For your integrity matters more than the money, right? That's why I was saying it's, in Proverbs is saying, better the poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who's crooked in all in his ways, right? And if I was his coworker, there would be a lot more credibility because of his integrity, right? When you say that you love God more than money, you uphold that truth, right? And you live by it. And I, I would believe that, right? Even if I wasn't a believer and I saw that right, it just shows that you stand on this foundation of truth, right, so your integrity matters, and in conclusion, you know, an an honest and mature believer speaks the truth, right, and they uphold their integrity, so when you speak the truth to others, right, you will face opposition, right, the truth is getting squashed day by day, right, but we are uh, to keep teaching and preaching the truth, the word of God, and we have it, we have it right here, right, you have it right here, the truth, and not only to others who aren't believers, but even to other believers, right, Um, a good Christian friend will point out spiritual things to us we can't see, such as sin and idolatry, they will point out to us when we've wandered off the narrow path. They will show us areas in our life where we lack joy in God, right? Relishing in the wonder of who he is and what he has done. A Christian friend won't tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. And in Proverbs 27, five to six, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. All right, you write that down, Proverb 27, five, six. And this is what uh, Charles Spurgeon says about such friendships, right? True friends put enough trust in you to tell you openly of your fault. He says, give me a friend, or give me for a friend, the man who will speak honestly of me before my face, who will not tell first one neighbor and then another, but who will come straight to my house and say, Sir, I feel there is such a such thing in you, which as my brother, I must tell you of. That man is a true friend. He has proved himself to be so, for we never get any praise for telling people of their faults. We rather hazard their dislike. A man will sometimes thank you for it, but does not often like you any the better. And the end quote there. Speak truth to your fellow brothers and sisters in the church. If you if you call them brothers and sisters in Christ, don't watch them sin, you know, and not say anything for the fear of. You know, losing friendships or perhaps scared that they'll dislike you and you'll become unpopular. <clears throat> if you see, you know, a, a brother or sister steal from a store or steal online, you know, call them out, right? Say, hey, dude, you just downloaded, uh, you know, software without even paying for it, right? Uh, and I think I, this was one example that came to mind because I, I did a lot in high school and early college, uh, and a brother called me out on it and said, uh, you know, and, and told me like, you're practically stealing a a movie that, that you, you didn't buy. <clears throat> and, um, I remember him, uh, doing that to, you know, calling, calling me out. And it felt weird at first because, um, you know, I had downloaded the movie and we were supposed to watch it together. And now I'm like, now what, you know, like, uh, I guess we will not watch it anymore. Um, or maybe if you hear them speak ill of another brother or sister or anybody for that matter, you know, call them out and say, you know, that I don't think that's encouraging at all, you know, and it sounds like, you know, you have a lot of anger uh, with your boss or coworkers, but, you know, all of these truths, right, all of these truths come from scripture, right? It's not just from your own, you know, just your own knowledge that you produce out of thin air, right? All of the truths that we read in scripture, it's you're, you're conveying what God is saying to them, right? So that they wouldn't fall into the deception of, you know, that sin is okay and that even uh, there are some forgivable sins or some small sins, um, you know, that, but that sin matters, right? That sin matters and that you would stand boldly, you know, to, you know, in, even in the face of, you know, just kind of, um you know affliction or just the just the risk of losing friendship to show that it matters to you whether or not you know they follow Christ, right? whether their relationship with Christ is good. And then not only do we speak truth to to just you know the our brothers and sisters in our church but to speak truth to others, right? Um, there's tomorrow, there's an evangelism opportunity. Uh, and if you're in the Joint Ears Facebook group, you would have seen Jeremy Lee's post. Um, you know, I, I would check it out. It's, I was deeply encouraged to see this despite, you know, the bad air quality, coronavirus. Uh, but this is a time where you're, you'll be preaching truth, right? And you may, be, you may offend some people and not everyone will like you, right? And it'll feel disappointing at times because you'll get rejected, and rejected. Uh, even you, you'll even get maybe like the the stink eye. But remember this, because God is the God of truth. Right? We have confidence in what we preach. Right? We stand on the truth that Jesus has spoken for for years. Right? Many apostles have done it. Many disciples have done it. Right? Many martyrs have died for it. Right? And that this is stuff that. These are truths, right, that that Jesus has spoken, uh, that we all have heard from Scripture. So, you know, when we read things like, you know, that that God will judge, he, he will judge. And when he says there is everlasting life with, with me, he says there is everlasting life with him, right? When he speaks of salvation, those who believe in him would be with him. That is truth we can hold on to and we can be sure of, right? We can hold on to truth about him dwelling within us and always being there with us. So even as we uh, proclaim these truths, he is there with us, right? And thank God, you know, he he upholds his integrity and he is of truth, right? And what he says is, he does not waver in his truth. He is not deceitful. He keeps his promises, right? Those precious words when Jesus spoke to the robber on the cross and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Was not just a wish he had, you know, or a, a hope. You know, I, I hope you. I, I think you might be. It was a definitive truth that today the robber is, you know, well was was robber or that would be or was you know ex robber. You know, today he's rejoicing with the father, right? I mean, he's thinking, "Thank God, you know what you say is true." And this is the confidence we can have when someone, you know, we love, you know, passes away, believes in God, to know that they are in a better place. It's not just words that we make up for comfort in hopes that, yes, I hope they are there. No, we know they are there. And we know that there is joy with the Father. We know this. And this is comfort to our souls. And so that as we are rejected, right, as even as we try, all we might, we might be the, the, the least popular kid around our block. So that one person who is saved and goes to heaven, right, that one person who is saved accepts Christ, admits that they are in need of Christ, goes to heaven, One day you'll see them and they will be rejoicing and they will say, thank you. Thank you for not being so concerned about being popular in the world, but more about concern, being more concerned about preaching the truth, which is here in scripture. Right. This is the confidence we will have when we face persecution, right? That God will deal with the unjust. And that we are his and this is why we ought to be honest right because god is honest, and because we're his children and we reflect his unwavering characteristics right that is who he is and that is who we worship so brothers and sisters i just want to encourage you as we hold to standards of of being honest we do so more than just what the even you know as boldly as the honest company would do it we do it even more because we pro- proclaim you know the truth of the bible and the integrity that comes with it in scripture and i pray that you know we would just be encouraged and reminded of all these truths as we continue to look into uh, the scripture for her answers and for how to you know, how to love others more and how to, you know, how do we love God more? All of it is here. So if you would, I just close in a word of prayer. God, we just want to thank you for your word that holds its highest quality. In virtue of all honesty and and without deceit. Lord, our lives depend on Your Word. Every breath that we take, every every thought that we have, it comes from the truth of the Bible, Lord. Your Word is what shapes us. And our thinking, how we act. And as as the world is uh, corrupt and as it continues to squash the truth, Lord, may we be bold as believers to proclaim this truth, to not hide away from it, Lord, to not let the world tell us what is truth, but to be obedient to you and your word, to preach it boldly, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Uh, opportunities that we have to be able to share the truth and to speak the truth, Lord. Uh, Such as tomorrow, Lord, I pray that uh, for those who do um, evangelize, Lord, that you would be with them as they, uh, you know, go out and uh, proclaim your name, Lord. Um, Lord, I'm so grateful for just uh, the fellowship, Lord, and I pray uh, just for their hearts and uh, even for us, that we would continue to grow, Lord, that we would you know bravely admonish each other um, if we see sin in our lives, Lord, um, to not be worried about whether or not someone will like us or not, but whether someone would love you so in the church and out of the church, Lord may we uh, continue to preach truth lord, and may our lives just reflect. You know, just a life of integrity that um, we live, what we preach, Lord. We live what we uh, what we believe. Lord, help us to um, be faithful in Your Word, and I pray that You just be with us tonight as we, um, you know, just discuss uh, things and uh, that we would just be honest with each other. And we thank You and pray out of Your name. Amen.